With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everyone, to the Westworld Theorycast. The Westworld Theorycast is a part of the DVR Podcast Network. You can check us out at DVRPodcast.com. And uh, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. The park is about to reopen. We're looking towards uh, an April start date for Westworld. So myself, that's me, Axel, and my co-host, Mr. DJ Tim Hines. Let's bring him in first. What up, DJ? Hey, what's up, everybody? Just got back. Uh, Just secured my ticket for the next trip into the park. And I'm ready to rock and roll here on the Westworld Theorycast with my main man, Axel Foley. There you go, DJ. All right, baby. Hyping it already. Um, But yeah, it's been a long time. Um, Gosh, what is it? Over a year since the finale, right? Yeah. Over a year. um, Yeah. So um, DJ and I were talking and uh, we decided to rewatch the entire first season, which we both did over the last week. And come in here and give you a podcast. We don't know how long we're going to be talking. Hopefully it'll go long. I mean, as far as our notes go, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, But before we do that, I do just want to throw it out. I know that there's people here who just listened to this show. You might not be aware of our other shows. Just quickly, again, you can check out DVRpodcast.com. We also have a Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash DVR. And uh, we've been covering a bunch of shows. As you know, we have podcast Winterfell. We also did a podcast called Curb Your Podcast about Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, My old college buddy Thaxton has a show called The Thack Daddy Experience where he talks about a lot of anime. He's been talking about Noen, Steins Gate, uh, covering a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Gareth came back and did a couple Gareth's waste of time. DJ here has a show inside DJ's DVR. So we've been doing a lot of stuff. So, uh, when we're not talking Westworld, we're talking a bunch of other stuff. Go ahead and check that out. But we will be back for the new season of Westworld. We're going to be doing at least one show a week. Now, last year we just did one show a week. I'm trying to convince DJ to do a call-in show. What do you think, dude? Am I going to be able to convince you to do this? It, we'll see how it goes. It's <laughs> going to depend on the fan interaction, especially as far as emails and tweets go. Uh, we'll see, you know, at least maybe possibly halfway. And it, it, if that doesn't work out, maybe an end-of-the-year wrap-up fan call-in. But, okay. you know, we do love our fans, and we built a real nice fan base. Yeah. You know, with our Westworld crew that uh, I think it might work out, but, you know, I need, I need some encouragement. It's basically what it comes down to. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Some social so, media encouragement. Yeah. If it. you're out there listening, hit us up at Westworld DVR on the Twitter. We also have a uh, Westworld Theorycast Facebook group 
uh, or page or whatever it is that you can join. And I've been updating that. And tell DJ if you're if you think you'd call in, uh, tell us. And then maybe we'll do one or maybe we'll try one after a couple of episodes or something and see, you know what I mean? See how the, uh, see how it's going there. But I, I, I can definitely tell you this. Um, let's, let's get into our impressions of the rewatch in general, because this is a good segue to it. And that is, I have to say that I had thought about this show a lot over the off season because there has been a plethora of great sci-fi shows that I've kind of gotten into the expanse. Um, well, I shouldn't say all great, but even stuff like handmaid's tale, which is kind of like a dystopian alt history future for America. Um, you know, Altered Carbon just came out on Netflix, which wasn't fantastic, but uh, Star Trek Discovery, the Orville, and I've been thinking more and more about Westworld, and then I, you know, I was I was like missing it, you know? How about you, DJ? Were you missing this show? I was, I've been feeling a, like, an excitement for this show that I have to say I haven't felt since maybe season five or so of Game of Thrones? Yeah, it, it, it's been a slow build for me. So when we left off, I was so caught up in the mystery of the show that it was, you know, it left a a really enough where I, I could think about things and I didn't have that craving where I needed to see the next thing right now. Like it needed to marinate. Yeah. And like you said, so many good sci-fi things came out you put me onto the expanse um and and i still kept up with humans on uh amc okay and even dark mirror uh oh, yes. black mirror rather. black mirror yes. <laughs> I keep screwing that up. Black oh, mirror on oh Netflix. i should say I, and, by uh, accident when yeah. i went to watch season two i jumped to episode one of season four and that whole episode has such like similarities to the things we needed to really be observing in Westworld. And I was like, wow, you know, all these things are around us and now Westworld's coming back. And we, you know, we both did a a rewatch of the season and I appreciate the show like 20 times more than I did. And I loved it when it came out, but I was just, I was satisfied with what I had, but now that I did the rewatch and I understand what I should have understood the first time, but was so caught up in that. I feel like now I really am anticipating the show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely dude. Yeah. I feel the same way. It's It's great. You mentioned black mirror. I forgot about that. And as well as if you like black mirror, there's kind of, I don't know. It's an almost, it's a semi network version of black mirror. I'd almost say it's Philip K. Dick's electric dreams on Amazon prime. I mean, it's not, it's just, it doesn't have the same level of trust or intelligence in the audience that Black Mirror has, but it's still a fun show, and I watched the whole season of that, too. So, yeah, the sci-fi stuff has been getting me, and then I, and then I did this rewatch, and I just have to say, I think we had the same reaction, is that 
being so caught up in the mystery and it was the first season of the show, right? So we, we were taking it as it was presented to us and devouring it and taking it apart. And one of the things that I said on our final episode, and I think one of the reasons why, like you said, you have to marinate with it is because the mystery is such in the forefront that you lose the emotion of the characters and also because the characters are mostly robots, <laughs> right? And we're undergoing extreme pain and being abused over and over. It became hard to empathize with anything but that. So all of their other emotions seem so fake because they were, but upon rewatching it, I felt much more emotion from nearly every character from Dolores to Teddy to Ford. I felt a, um, a connection to them that I really didn't feel the first time around. And therefore all of the story beats that needed that feeling for me that I kind of felt let down with last time I completely loved them this time around and I found myself excited and emotional and feeling like I wanted to be with the characters, not as much as I was trying to figure out what was going on. You know what I mean? Like in a sitcom, right? Like they say you like a sitcom because you want to come back and just hang out with those characters for a half hour every week. And sometimes a drama doesn't raise to that level, right? It gets overwhelmed by the story. And in the, in the first season, I felt that way, but the rewatch let me kind of like, I'm looking forward to being with these characters again. For sure. Uh, you know, and this, you know, this is the Westworld theory cast. We kind of came at it, you know, like we wanted to get wild and theorize. And the first season gave us all of that. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, you know, well, we, we got all, we really got all the answers, and until I got to the end of the season again, I was like, "Holy shit, we can theorize for days now!" Like, because there's so much more that that could be going on, and you know, and it's like it it opened up a whole new like web, in, you know, in in the in the tree here, like you know, in the in the whole, you know, in our diagram, like we're in a whole new zone now, and it it, it like you said, like I all the characters are coming back. We know that because like we saw that there, you know, nobody got out and ma mainly all the characters we want are the hosts. And, you know, we, we still have some questions up in the air about who's still around and, you know, how, what's you know going to go on, but it made me completely more interested in the hosts when I was looking out more for, the, the guests last time and, and the, you know, the board and trying to figure out what everybody's up to. And, you know, and, you know, this the rewatch was so necessary, but it needed the time. And yeah. a big part of this, you know, season rewatch that I, I enjoyed was I looked at Ford way less like a villain. And he was, I, I looked actually up to him like at the end and I, I appreciated his, uh, precision. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, dude. That is a great point because 
you're right. When I first watched it, I I mean, Anthony Hopkins, I mean, obviously it's Hannibal Lecter. You know what I'm saying? And he he always brings a certain sinister super intelligence to his roles. So I kind of saw him like a villain too. But yeah, watching, going into the rewatch, knowing that he... I mean, in some senses, he is mad, you know, meaning insane. But in another sense, he is, in fact, the hero of the story, you know, because the whole time you want Maeve to be free. You want her to to get out and understand what she is, to get out of her loop. You feel the same way about Teddy and... Dolores and uh, even just side characters that you see all the time and you wonder what else they got into or you see them dead inside the lab. And um, it seemed the first time around that when now I still have to say this and I don't mean to bring up something contradictory so early, but I might as well ask you about it. The one scene in in Ford's whole story that I still have a little problem with is when Bernard is coming to him, I think it's episode three or four and uh, you see Ford's back in the lab and he's working with um, the hosts again and all that. And Bernard comes to him to talk to him. I think it was about the, um, the stray uh, you know, the one sending the um, signal to the satellite. And he kind of gets angry before he can really talk to Bernard. He gets angry at a lab tech who's got um, the host covered, right? And he throws the uh, cover off of the host and then slices its face and says, you know, they're not alive. They're not alive. And that I still, that scene still, I don't know if I understand that scene. Do you remember that scene? Sure. Uh, I, you know, I'm not really sure. I I took it for more than him trying to just, uh, you know, calm down. Like at the time when I saw it, it was, you know, it was Bernard was a person. And, you know, at that point, yeah. the first time I watched it. And then, you know, still at, you know, when you kind of, watching it you're picking up these things like in the last scene in the in, you know in the, that's one scene in the end episode when bernard's realizing you know you see all those those realizations i feel like ford was almost trying to throw him off a little bit confuse him yeah that's and, what we thought this you know stuff get him from, to, yeah. to, because i have you know we'll, we'll get into it a little later but i i have some you know reasoning to to think that ford was knowledgeable of everything even the, the signals going out because this is you know i think everything was a culmination of him planning all this because he knew what was coming down from the the board yeah no i agree with that i definitely agree with that but i guess that scene for me i don't know it's kind of particular and we do take things apart but i but just that, re- i also you know we may be able to chalk it up to just something that they were throwing at us to throw us off a yeah, little bit yeah. for the mystery True. I do. I do tend to negate those things and think that they that that wouldn't happen. But it what it didn't make much sense because as I'm watching it the second time, not that I mean again I should we should both say I think we probably watched when the initial episodes came out. By the time we had done the podcast, we'd probably watch them two or three times. 
I know I did because I had to take the fucking right. notes on. I know you did too, but this was the first time we just sat and binged the whole thing again. You know, yeah, and until the end, yeah. we didn't really know the the you know the the truth and you know what was going you know the real. Oh, of Surprise. course, of course. It was still all mysteries, even though we watched them three times that week, you know, and whatnot. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's a good point. You're right, because it's the progression of having seen the end game of it. But I don't know. I, I, You know, we could spend a million years on that. But there were some things that I noticed that I wanted to just kind of bring up while we're still in, like, just generalized things that I noticed about um, the show. Uh one thing I notice is the flashbacks are much more noticeable and are pretty much telegraphed anytime that they're flashing back from the present day to um, William and his journey. The first two episodes that they did this and we had made a little bit of note of this and I had seen it on the Reddit, which by the way, yes, I'm not doing that this year, DJ. Excellent. No no Reddit. No, fuck that shit, dude. I'll talk I might talk about things on the on Twitter or whatever with you or anything, but I think we just kind of keep it more in that because honestly, that shit was just it's it's a little bit masturbatory after a while. I don't really need to be reading like, you know, a book because it was in the like half a frame or something. (laughs) I mean, like the lost days, the whole lion reasoning behind the maze and the whole books and, you know, scholars explaining what the maze was. And yeah, you know, we got our Facebook group and uh, we got a good, you know, following and hopefully we gain more and we can talk in there. Yeah. And also you're right. It's a little more manageable. Um, But anyway, they all, there's all fade out, fade in out, I should say, it fades out from whatever's happening. Most of the time, it'd be in the lab, and then it fades back in on the Delor- on William or whatever, whoever. It, mostly, it was centered on him because the Dolores stuff was jumping around, and that is when you watch it again and you know that's what's happening, you can trust that more. And you also notice that it never happens for any other type of scene. Sure. And, and even knowing the, the different outfits and timelines, like slip. Yeah. Yes. It. So yes. not like I know where I'm at. Exactly. And, and the logos. I was paying attention more to yeah. their interactions and, and like Williams, Williams overall change was, was fabulous. Like it, yeah. it, it was so much more noticeable now than, than before. Oh, that's definitely true. On that level, um, you definitely see the progression in his anger. But I'm talking more about the visual aspects of what they were giving away. So the logos were much more present, the fading in and the out, the clothes. Yeah, I picked up on the clothes. That was my marker, pretty much. Like That was um, a big deal. Like I noticed that all the time. The way people are... um, shot and also the way they're handled by the hosts. Now there had been an interview. I remember last year where they had talked about, and it's mentioned very early on um, to uh, William that you can kind of choose your level of pain, you know, like, so 
the host will only hurt you up to what you have already signed off on and that there's a limit, right? So they can hurt people. So for instance, when the man in black is, I think, smacked by a host and then it's soon after an episode where um, you see someone in the William timeline uh, or I think William himself gets shot and he's kind of thrown back, right? That you, they're kind of playing with that idea, right? And mixing the fact that in the past, the bullets were kind of different. Like you see that, that they hurt a little bit more than the, than the ones in the future. And that goes along with the whole idea of the board trying to push um, like a simpler experience and keep things like a little bit calmer, you know, like safety measure, a little bit more of those safety measures have been enacted, even though of course in the lab, they don't seem to take that, but let's talk a little bit about what you were talking about, which, uh, which is the path to MIB from William. And I totally agree with you on that, that it's, what to me in the first seat with the first watch was a little bit of a jump. Like he was so innocent in the beginning. Um, I saw more as him being, uh, a big fake in the beginning. Yeah. Well, you know, it almost seemed as they were the way they were describing the whole outside of Westworld, so clean, so sanitized. And William was so mm-hmm. on board with that, it seems. Like, he was a good guy, you know, always wanting to do the right thing and, you know, kind of, I'm sure, blocked all those desires he had all those years to, you know, maybe say no sometimes or rough somebody up when they act up to him and, you know, or speak out to him and he blocked all that away and he was such an, a wholesome guy and this place he thought he was going to get that he was going to be able to choose you know good guy instead of the evil mode and have a really nice time and he saw the true nature of the what was in him and the humanity that was stripped away from him by Logan and Logan just being such a scumbag and trying to pull it out of him. And it really didn't. And it, it made him focus on then how this whole thing operates. And he got obsessed and his whole obsession just took him and, you know, learning that they were one really made it way more enjoyable to know. Mm-hmm. Cause you could see both sides and you could see even at, you know, MIB in the beginning towards the end, became he was you know way ruthless in the end and way in you know it it was almost the same but you know it got worse obviously you know like we saw a a really big expansion of his anger yeah that's something that's something that i had forgotten too which is uh you're talking about william right yeah yeah which is i had forgotten that he did that whole massacre where he took all the robots, uh, hosts apart. Um, you know, I, th- I had forgotten about that part and I had forgotten about, uh, the whole kind of last montage of their ride out to the edge where he's just like chasing people down and murdering them. 
<laughs> I had forgotten about that. And it really, because of all the stuff that happens, you know, in the episode, but, um, yeah, you're totally right. Being able to see it go back and forth and knowing being totally confident and that's what's occurring, uh, really allowed me to see how he was, there was not, um, what I had first thought was, okay, I'm meeting a character and now all of a sudden he's becoming some other character and I was trying to fit him into being MIB as well. I was able this time to see, okay, he really is the man in black and the guy I'm meeting in the beginning is a fraud, exactly like you're talking about. He's putting on the airs of this perfect, industrialized, streamlined world, right? This like antiseptic world. And the what the park does is take that away. And I understood more so that metaphor, right? Of stripping right. that away and showing who he was underneath. He could have stayed yeah. that way, like possibly if he yeah, never entered the yeah. park. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why the whole journey in itself was a lot more meaningful to me. And it didn't, it didn't disappoint me. Initially, I was disappointed by that because I expected there to be some cataclysmic end to that particular story, either by Dolores or him, right? And there wasn't. And I found that in this rewatch to be very subtle and also uh, very confident by the writers, you know, like that takes balls to write a story where you're go you're jumping back and forth, but in one of them, it just basically kind of almost it doesn't fizzle out because he becomes this raging lunatic and Dolores really disappears for all we know. She's just, you know, picked up and cleaned again. And, you know, Ford notice what happened and he quiets it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that, um, Bernard had been built by then. So he just hit it again. And it just happened to be one of her loops that she had broken out again. And like he said many times, he just, he put her back down like he had done to Bernard too. Right. And, uh, I thought that was kind of ballsy. And this time it was more satisfying to me that they had ended it like that. Um, instead of there being some, instead of what originally I thought happened, which is that that's when Arnold gets killed. You see what I mean? That right. was a big debate, right? Like that there's actually three timelines that are important here. And we really see only mostly of the two, but it's one of those two, which is the 30 years ago, not 35 years ago is not real is important for character reasons, not completely and story on the part of the MIB, but there's no cataclysmic event that ends it, you know? Yeah. I think when we, you know, when we ended it, we kind of talked about that. It was like almost, you know, MIB was disappointed, but yeah. I actually knowing, you know, now the, I think he was actually satisfied to see, to have an answer, even though it wasn't 
really exactly what he wanted. He wanted to find out this, you know, wild, crazy conscious, um, you know, consciousness, uh, you know, uh, this this game, and as did we, I think. And it wasn't about that. And it was so. And I think it's so much more satisfying now that you know going forward, it's going to be about the you know the questions of what should be done in that park and you know mib's obsession was like ford's obsession and and how that's gonna you know affect what they do to him if he's still there you know it's 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 really wild i wonder this i i i did a fair bit of reading of some articles that came out after and actually there are two of them i'll put them in the show notes um Let's see, I had written down one was from Screen Rant and another was uh, Insider. And um, one of the things I saw people kind of a little bit of theorizing, and this was right after the season ended. So this is, by the way, also we should, I always forget to say in the beginning of the podcast that there's no spoilers, of course. We've not, I haven't paid attention to any of that shit. I don't pay attention to casting. I want to watch the show. You know, I'm not into that stuff. I know you're not into it either, DJ. So a bunch of these magazines, uh, online magazines that I've read, uh, had talked about initially after this was just after the season ended, they had not seen any trailers for season two or anything like that. Right. That, um, they felt that the man in black had, would want to kill the hosts and engage and like be against them. But I have to say that upon watching this, and I think last year we had just talked a little bit, we took a short secret break there that you had thought that he may be dead. I don't remember. I, I didn't think he was dead, but I didn't quite understand what I don't think what his next step would be, but I can see Generally, it being more about the consequences, the reality, it being real than him wanting to kill hosts. Yeah, I I can't see him wanting to kill hosts, especially since he owns the property and, you know, and all the IP, the intellectual property. and, And now that it's changed, that it's a whole game changer. Like, who knows what his his frame of thought would be like to you know, harness this technology or, you know, I remember at one point we had talked about possibly transference of, you know, afterlife into a, you know, the technology once it evolves, you know, rapidly. Yeah. But uh, I didn't see, but you know what though? I, I want to just stop you because I don't think that he, uh, it doesn't occur to me that he cares about any of that. This is a no, purely no, no. I'm emotional. I'm just saying we had talked about all yeah, these different we, things that it right. could be, but I, you know, I, you're, you were asking if, if he's going to kill. And I, I don't think okay. he had any intention. I'm saying there's too many possibilities. Yeah. I think it's just more about him trying to be alive again. And it was, um, like I was saying, it was after I saw, it was hard for me to grasp until after that scene where William sees Dolores again and feels nothing, you know, in the final episode, that to me was an indication that, he just wants to feel alive. It's not about hating the hosts, you know? And yeah, as his a journey, of, you know, was a completely, you know, 
side parallel, you know, bar journey than the, you know, what, you know, the other main story arc, but, you know, it was also tied in like his was, you know, his own journey. Wow. That was an interesting part too. When we talk about Dolores, I was going to talk about that too, about that, how that 30 year flashback kind of works. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, oh, I did want to mention we had both talked about um, just as a last kind of overall point that I really appreciated Anthony Hopkins more. And I also um, appreciated, again, how they laid out Ford's plan over the course of the show. And what initially had confused me you know, how he started kind of acting out more. Uh, this time around, it made me, I understood so much better how he was seeing how his plan was working, you know, and he was gaining confidence. And that exactly, as you say, he, anything that happened within the confines of that park, he was privy to, right? Anyone's behavior, conversations, well, for all we know, their thought patterns, right? Um, sure, everyone that we to. thought was, you know, not a host was, you know, who was turned out to be a host. Essentially, he had access to everything. He but programmed even all that. The humans so, too. He could see anything that Bernard could see or hear. He could see and hear. Exactly. So and that he, that yeah. that was, you know, learning that was a big game yeah. changer. So you know, knowing that now. He definitely knew everything, every move, every plot, every board maneuver, having him sleep, sleeping, uh, you know, with, 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 uh, the board member, uh, what was his name? Angela. Who's that? Charlotte. Charlotte. That's uh, yes. Having him sleep with Charlotte. He was getting all that inside tips. Like he was figuring out there was people plotting. There was people that were in search of the tech. Like he, like that, of course, allowed yeah. him to know a whole lot more. Yeah. And it's and you can see the way that there's a change in his attitude and his confidence as the hosts get more awake as the plan with Maeve and the plan with Dolores keep moving along. And even the the thing, I guess, was another kind of part that was hard for me to understand is how why maybe i'm understanding it now why am why mib became so involved with that new narrative right he knew where he was the entire time what he was doing and why it's i guess they shared this experience Right. And they had this in the end, they had the same goal and the same obsession. And I think that Ford appreciated that. What did you think at the end when you when you came to that realization that he, you know, look how well, the narrative changed around it, what MIB was doing? I think there was many, many different motives for the business aspect for MIB and that's a good point 
but he also had, you know, some kind of foresight to what they wanted to do with the technology. But I think he wanted more narrative. I think he wanted really to get to this Wyatt. And he thought Wyatt was coming out in this narrative. And I think that also helped him stay on board with Ford. And he thought if he could get to Wyatt before Ford, that he would have some kind of secret access or maybe be able to control Wyatt. Who knows? But he was looking for more, you know, just as, right. But but what do you think? No, I understand that, but I'm asking about Ford. Why did Ford, because he was the one who was in control. MIB is not in control of anything. He's obsessed. Why? Like you said earlier, Ford realized he had accomplished his goal and he, let it go and take its own organic course. And and if MIB got killed by those savages or if he wins, that was up to the, the park's hands now. And, and because he appreciated that that's what he wanted. Like he appreciated that he appreciated the the opportunity. Yeah. And that was written into the narrative. Yeah. That's good. That's, that was something that I guess I'm just kind of more so think the, the show's so deep thinking about it now that that's something that was always like their relationship and their in their encounter in that bar with Teddy was so interesting. And then their second, their last encounter um, in the little cemetery there, right outside the church was MIB was so disdainful afford you know and kept on saying it was you know it was arnold it wasn't you right it was arnold and the whole time i mean of course there was arnold in it right but the whole time the whole time it was ford that was rewriting the narrative and sending uh mib along the way and also 30 years ago it was ford who was either um, allowing Dolores to go on that l- different loop where she tries to break out or then erasing her afterwards and affecting William, right? So even though he's so disdainful of Ford, in the end, I came to see or came to kind of feel that Ford liked him. Like he appreciated him. You know, and he wanted, he included him, including him in the narrative didn't, I mean, maybe it served a business purpose, but in the end it didn't because he was willing to vote for it off too. But it's like, he just appreciated that MIB loved the story so much and wanted to find this maze. And then in the end, when he tells him, it's just, you know, it's just a game, you know? Well, yeah, it seemed like like MIB tried to not have a lot of contact with Ford, like because he almost didn't want to cheat, like like have game genie and ask questions, like you know whenever <laughs> he talks about to the other board members, uh, you know he's like, listen, you you know you talk deal with Ford and find out, like it was you know it seemed like he didn't like to to want to talk with Ford. Yeah. I don't know how many times they've actually talked over these thirty years, and it it seemed to be that. So many of these events have been going on over and over and over, and this is 30 years. So, you know, it gave Ford the chance to 
to perfect what he needed to perfect and realize what he needed to realize and both of them. So they kind of needed each other. Mm. Yes, sir. That's a good point, man. They needed each other. All right. Um, was there anything else you wanted to kind of bring up? Those were just some kind of uh, random, but gets us back into talking about what's going on. No, those are the, the main things that really got me excited rewatching it. Yeah. It was, was really the, the William and Ford story, where, where which was so not the main things we really talked about last year was, yeah. was you know, more of the who's who and what's what. And it, it, it's great to, to, you know, see it in this different lens. Yeah, man. Oh, there was one more thing that I wanted to just say, because I thought it was really important for my understanding of the hosts, the reveries, the whole idea, <clears throat> excuse me of their like this bootstrapping consciousness, but also for how it may, and this is kind of theory stuff, how it may affect our reading of the show and how they may play with in the second season, kind of time and experience and memory the way they did in this first season that we're talking about, which is that, they say this a couple times, and I think it's Bernard who says it, that the hosts relive their memories completely. So when they have a memory, they are actually living it. And we see this a couple times. We see it with Bernard. We see it with Dolores, especially with Bernard when um, he has the gun, when he has, uh, what's her name, hold the gun to Ford, and he makes some download and access all of his memories. He like stops the memory and walks through it. So I just wanted to bring that up again. Cause I think that in getting back into the show, and that's probably one of the reasons why people are listening to the podcast too, is when you, the first episode comes on, even we, you need to get kind of like get reacquainted, right? So it's good to kind of get back into the mode and kind of remember that, that when the hosts have that memory, they, it's not, it's not like humans when we have a memory, we just kind of, it's almost like fleeting. They are there again. They can like completely close their eyes and be somewhere different. And I found, I found that was kind of fascinating. It took on more of an importance, this rewatch for me. I don't know why it just did. Yeah. See, I, I kind of, I, I, agree with what you're saying and i pick up on on that too like i always have to i try to to think about the ai like a machine and that they're you know like we went from having computers you know 15 years ago with a single processor to a dual core and a quad processor which are able to handle so many multiple processes at the same time which wasn't capable many years ago and and you know they're probably on you know, God knows how, how many levels past what we have and they're able, it's essentially all happening at the same exact time. They could, they could be doing all this. Yeah. <clears throat> That's like a all good... in one instance. They could like, you know, we, we saw it because they had to interpret it for us on uh, screen with the way Bernard flashed or everything, but that could mm -hmm. all happen in, in an instant. That is a great point, DJ. That's a great point that that's that's a really cool idea. Like we could conceivably see an episode where a host shuts their eyes and then we get 45 minutes 
right? And they are living it, experiencing it, but it's a memory. And then within the context of the show, we have to figure out, is that memory constructed or did it actually occur? And what's really the difference or does it matter? Right? Because to the host, it doesn't. Right. As we saw They, they don't Maeve. think like yeah. we do. So it, it, you have to think like they do. And, and I think this season may very well be, I mean, I, if it's going to take off where we left off, it has to be very host centric. So it's, you know, we're going to see what the computers, you know, how they fix themselves and retool the, the lab. And if they involve the lab and if they just allow them to be as is, and if they're going to want to die off, if they finish it, you know, and they don't want to keep going on or keep this thing going. It's, it's, or if someone, it, or if it, it, it's like when Dolores first, uh, when hog, I mean, uh, yeah, when uh, Dolores first went hog wild, we could go completely back to that when they reset everything and rebooted the camp, uh, you know, the whole park. So, you know, it, it it's leaving us, you know, with uh, a lot of space. It's, you know, we could could be focused on the. I would like to be focused more on the hosts and see where they what they do with themselves and how they how they view the world, yeah, what man. they want to see. Or, you know, do they even? Well, yeah, that's to, that's where we're going, dude. Do they want to view it as this Western? Like, is it is that how they see it through their their eyes? You know, hmm. interesting. The eyes point. are just hardware. Like, they don't even need the the the, the bodies technically. Oh well, you're getting into the, some deep stuff. Let's save that for the good stuff. All right, DJ. So we had a couple other parts here when I wrote out what we we're going to talk about this episode. Um kind of a thematic and storyline exploration, just kind of bringing everybody back up to speed, like I was talking about. Uh, and we also had kind of character breakdowns. We were just going to kind of round robin, talk about the different characters, their journeys, and also a little bit about what we see for them in season two. Now, we both did watch the trailer, but I don't don't remember. Do you remember the trailer? No, I just remember like, couple scenes here okay. they had nothing okay. w- like that i could put together as a plot point okay and then we also had um some what was it about four questions or kind of theory stuff that i had saved for the end so um let's see what do you want let's throw it out to the dj here what do you feel what inspires you more talking about the thematic and storyline stuff or round robining it on the characters and bringing people kind of back up to speed, m- remembering the journeys of the characters and where they, th- where we think they're going and yeah. what we learned let's, on the rewatch. Let's do that. Let's stick with the characters right now. All right. So we let, hit the two big guns okay. and uh, let, let, you know, let's get back to the, the, the side characters who most likely won't be side characters anymore. All right, so why don't you start us out? What character do you want to talk about? All right, let's talk about Teddy. Teddy's a big one. Uh, At first, I I thought Teddy was just, uh, you know, the Ken doll stuck in the in the scene to 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 just take the place of you know uh, of when you know Dolores dropped the can and fit that whole thing and fit fit William in there and whatnot. But Teddy turned out to be essential because Teddy had been there from the start and Teddy has 
so much knowledge and it seems so much loyalty. And when he realized what, what's actually going on, he has that compassion that we've seen in all those episodes. And we know that like, I don't know, Teddy seems like he's so important now. And we saw him just seem like insignificant as, you know, sort of, Oh, this is the guy that, you know, they've been pushing on HBO. Oh, he's in here. And you know, Oh, all right. He's just riding in the, in the train to show us, but no, it was more to show us that Teddy was ready to evolve too. Like he came to that point. Like yeah. he was, I don't know. Like he, it was almost a mystery again. That to me, like he's one of the, the, the parts I was talking about earlier where I said it left me off with some mystery still mm-hmm. Teddy's a mystery because yeah. he became way more important this watch through. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, I guess the thing with Teddy is I agree with you um, upon first watch. I mean, I like the I like the actor. So I thought that he did a great job and once, but once the character of Teddy is established as this, uh, ultimate, I guess he, they would say these days, cuck or whipping boy or whatever, right? Where the the point of his existence is so you can take him out to get his girl, you know, and feel like a man. Um, I kind of got lost when he transformed into the Wyatt story and all that. And it, it did kind of, it confused me, like you're saying, and I felt... Uh, upon this watch that I was paying more attention to Teddy, right? To try to understand the character and what they were trying to show us. And at first I thought that they were crafting him simply to train um, Dolores to use the gun and then to also be her accomplice and help her, or I should say they Ford to help, uh, her and the, her, the other the other army take people out. But as time went on, like you're saying, when I saw that so much of what his character was, was compassion, right? And guilt. Um, I started to think more that Teddy will turn out to be the character that kind of stabilizes the Wyatt side of Dolores because Dolores, right? Dolores is no longer Dolores and she never was. She, Oh, she's, I don't know. I called her in the notes. Um, DeWyatt or <laughs> I don't know what people are calling her on the interwebs, but that is a part of her. That is who she is. And yeah. She, it, you know, the name is just the name. It's essentially right, exactly. think about when Maeve grabbed the, the, super iPad and she juiced up all of the, uh, uh, attributes, the attributes, right. Of, of the two, uh, who's Hector and, and the girl, the snake girl. And she was able to, you know, bring them up. That's basically, you know, what Dolores is, you know, she has all those attributes of what Teddy, uh, of what, what Wyatt and her have together. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, I, I would assume that what Maeve did was only to Hector and, and the snake woman and to herself. And I would think that now that everybody else is awoke, that they're just 
I don't know if they would have control to change the attributes. So I think that's why I say like the compassion is going to come out with Teddy. Like, you know, we might see them trying to make rational decisions, like mm-hmm. instead of like, like not from, from not, not rational, like, like uh, from the heart, instead of like how a computer would, you know, cause that, or, or now one's going to be a violent like type of answer or, you know, they're going to have conflict. Yeah. Well, I mean, they better have conflict. It's a, drama on hbo (laughs) i agree with you though teddy that that's that's a good insight man i think that that teddy character like i said it was kind of weird to me like i'm trying to just think back on the episodes and when when he finds out like initially i believe that he thinks that he is wyatt Right. And then he realizes that Dolores is Wyatt and that he is the accomplice. He is kind of what he thought he was the whole time, which is kind of a mind fuck. He thought he was the unwitting, you know, he thought he was unwittingly involved in something because of his association with his general or whatever the guy was, the, uh, why it was right. It was a general, a general. Okay. And then it turns out that that is exactly what the situation is. Even though he was more involved than he thought he was initially, he's still unwittingly because you see even at when he kills, um, Elon Musk's, uh, wife, I forget her name. Uh, He's saying, Dolores, what's happening? Something's wrong, right? Like he doesn't want to be doing it. So it showed that even back then, maybe, uh, I wonder if we're going to see how Bernard, I mean, I should say Arnold programmed Teddy to get him to do that because it was more than just Dolores telling him to do it right he said he had to he said i'll get you help or something i believe when like he said he you know was setting that up exactly so i wonder if we're going to see further flashbacks that kind of explain and flesh out teddy a little bit more because he remains a sympathetic character right and he remains in some way now his role with dolores has flipped where she was trying to get him out of the life, right? And now he, I think, is going to be the one trying to get her out of the life. Like saying, maybe we don't have to kill all these people. Maybe this doesn't have to be our fate. You know? Like you say, wasn't there once a girl who said, the world is a beautiful place? (laughs) Teddy, man, pretty deep. All right. What's up? What, and you have anything else you want to say about Teddy? Nah, but he did a great job. Yeah, Teddy. Uh, who's next? Let's go Maeve. All right. That's my favorite, man. I think Maeve's my favorite on the show. Um, let, I'll start off just to say, I think 
it's safe to say and reading, uh, like I said, I read a little interviews and some articles uh, after the first season came out that that uh, just to refresh too. remember, she makes that decision to get out of the train and find her daughter when she's on the train with a bunch of like papers. Remember that Felix gives to her. Yep. And those now, I don't know if this means anything and I don't know if we, I can't even remember if we mentioned it, but she leaves those papers on the train. When she comes out, they make almost a point of showing her whole body she doesn't have that stuff on her and she walks away. I don't know. They might not, it might now, not mean anything about it. Now, you know? good pickup. Now, also go backwards a few scenes back when she's talking to, to Bernard and he says, See, you were programmed to do this. And then you, were pro-, and she says, and he goes, and, and she takes it. He goes, You were programmed yeah, to yeah. leave. And and he takes it and cracks it. She takes it and cracks it. She goes, I don't give a damn. <laughs> now, you, you know, you, you, I know you you're assume say. that she made the conscious decision right, to get off. Right. But was it when you hit a certain point, are you supposed to get up and turn around and come back? And that was, you know, we did talk about it on the finale episode. Like, that was a big deal. Like, yeah. you know, is this still part of Ford's programming or are they really alive? No, like I that's, think that's the whole well, thing. And, and Maeve's a big part of that. Right. I think it's safe to say that she made the decision to get off the train. There's also a change in, um, handheld where the, uh, camera goes like completely to handheld as she comes out of the train and that's not used anywhere else in the, uh, series. And this is from an article I, I read too. It's not that article there. But um, just because I think it going into the season, it's important to clarify stuff like that and to accept this stuff. Because I think sometimes, look, I do want to have a theory cast and I want to have theories. But if we get too crazy, that's when I think that maybe we lose the plot line a little bit. So let's encourage ourselves constantly not to be crazy and at the same time say some crazy shit like I'm about to say. So oh boy. <laughs> if you're we go. saying you're right. How deep does the programming go? Right. And when you, when you think about that with Maeve, you obviously think about that with Dolores because she realizes that the person she was talking to the whole time was her, right? That she's the inner voice. She recognizes herself and, She's now supposedly conscious, you know? Um, but I think that we're going to have to, these, those questions are d- going to be continued to be addressed, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the last time we see that tripod, you know? For that sure. They, I, I, you know, it could totally yeah. be all in park and, closed off to the world like we don't even need to see that because but then you have to say how can you how could ford anticipate so far but it's an algorithm right 
like it keeps on running. So it comes the same idea as Arnold being alive inside of them, right? Through the programming, he could live and through their memories, right? He exists. So if they could take that memory and create a consciousness out of it, they could recreate. <laughs> See, that's when you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, about that's that what, kind you know, of stuff. It, but we'll, I get, we'll, to go down we'll touch on those. We got okay, a lot but of let's get back to me. Wild questions, you know, and, yeah. and that that is good, you know, theory cast, Westworld theory cast type but, behavior, and we do encourage that. <laughs> but I'm going to bring you back around a little bit because we do want to get there eventually, and uh, we got a, you know a lot of talking to do about the. Uh, you know, the season that, you know, the first season we got and what's to come. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about the character. Um, like, do you think that Maeve will find her daughter who she was essentially in search of? Or do you think that like, it will be what she said uh, that she wasn't my daughter anyway? Um, I think that that's her daughter. Yeah, I you think know, that, and I know, think that that plays that, into uh, that whole question of does it matter? And I have to say, the the whole last speech that Ford has there in the church, and also when he talks to uh, uh, Bernard down in the lab, the last couple times, the secret lab. Um, I agree with his whole idea of. You know, like human emotions and reactions are an algorithm in themselves. What's the difference if it's, you know, like the hosts have been alive way before they, like even Arnold saw it, you know? I can really buy into that. So I can buy into the idea that if Maeve, these memories are real to her, so that is her daughter. The question is, what happens if she, when she finds her daughter and her daughter doesn't remember her? Yeah, and her, her daughter was the the one at uh, uh, that that town way out way out when uh, MIB drags the dude to, and it's his daughter, and he kills the mother. That was wasn't that the same daughter they used or no? Oh damn, DJ. Body. Uh, was that no, the, it was wasn't, it wasn't, no it wasn't no no they didn't show no they didn't show where her daughter was dude yeah they didn't at all you're right that was a little no. spanish girl i think no but that's an interesting yeah i do think that that's her daughter and i think that she's going to go after her daughter and uh one of the things i want to let's talk a little bit about how you see how you saw the character on the rewatch because it was still hard for me She's such a great actress and the character is becomes so uh, self-determined and strong appearing that when you find out that she was programmed all the way up to that point, right? Which is absurd by the time you find it out, you know, because so many weird little things have happened um, and so many things have like why does she ask to be shown everything? You know, like how Ford did that to kind of awaken her more, you know, and why she had to see the inside and Dolores had to see the outside. 
Like he had to have these two separate agents working. It's just really brilliant. Man. Wow, I like that that, you know? that comparison. Like maybe she'll come in and run the computers and like the inside now that all the humans are dead. Well, I think it's just, yeah, the aspects of it though, because Maeve kind of almost from her job, she understood people already, you know? She was perfect to go in there. Dolores would what would, she would not have been able to accomplish anything on the inside, right? Neither would Teddy. Yeah, they're yeah. too like sweet. Yeah, and they're yeah exactly. Naive it's almost yeah. their, char- their characters are meant to be a little naive. Yep, candy coated. Um, but uh, so it was hard for me to accept that she had been programmed all the way up to that point, and as we see, all the way up to the point of the her very last scene is the first time she ever makes a decision. You know, just as we see that with Dolores that that's her decision to pick or we're led to believe that's her decision to pick up the gun, which I think it is. And um, it was just hard for me to, even while rewatching it, I have to admit, it was hard for me to accept that. But once I did, it was just became supremely interesting that you're just watching her play out someone else's plan the entire first season. Yeah, and uh, I, don't, I saw something on uh, the Twitter that said, uh, I don't know if you consider this a spoiler or not, but Delios gets bought out episode one by Skynet. Really? Uh-oh. No. <laughs> she better look but out for it's, John it's Connor. It's going down that rabbit hole. It could totally yeah. possibly do that. And, uh, you know, we, you know, I joke about that, but, you know, let's talk about the humans that could possibly be there. We're going down the, you know, the people we left. We left Elsie, who appeared to be a human worker you know, as to this point we were led to believe. And all we saw was Bernard like grab her in almost a chokehold, but not really and drag her back even in his flashback. Yeah. So we don't really know if she's there. Um, I know it's, you know, it's a weird one, but it's one to keep in, keep in, you know, a thought of what do you think? She, you know, there are humans in there that quite possibly might not be dead. And if it does get sealed off and shut down somehow from the outside and, you know, it's going to be AI versus some humans trying to get out, it might be make for an interesting story. Like, uh, you know, reverse Planet of the Apes, like Planet of the, you know, the AI, the hosts, Planet of the Hosts. So what do you think? Is she, what do you think? You think she's I, alive? I think she's alive. Yeah, I think it was suspicious the way she's not. It's a you know what it doesn't. It's a fun character, so I hope she comes back. Yeah, um, because like you know, yeah. if she's there, and if we assume that uh, William Mib is still alive there, there there's her and him. That could be a team you know, up. You got a team, and they could get along. I could see. I could see her throwing shit at him too. You know what I'm saying, and like keeping up with him. And right. how about and, the Hemsworth? We'll, we'll tinfoil one in there. And let's not forget, badass Hemsworth. So, you know, the, the you know, Thor's brothers gotta come in there. He he this is still a possibility he's there. So we got, you know, what would appear to be three badass, you know, uh humans plus one possible old badass human who's been there so long. He's manipulated the shit out of the park. So yeah. we don't know what to expect from if if Logan's still around. So, you know. Oh, wait. Good, good Logan. Possibility. 
Logan's not still in the park, dude. How do you know? We never got confirmation. <laughs> you know what? Last we saw, he you cracked me up. Wait a second. You cracked me up. You cracked me up. I remember us arguing about this now last year. Dude, Logan is not in the park, dude. Come on. All right. We'll see. They have the whole park mapped, and plus, he works for the company. I think that. If anything, and honestly, I don't know because I don't remember from the uh, trailer. I don't think we saw. I don't know if they're even on the show again. But if anything, I think that we'd more so maybe continue a little bit of MIB's story. And that could be our entrance into like the outside world with William, you know, to understanding what's going on on the outside world. But um, I don't think that he's... I think that they found him and then he got cleaned up. You know, we'll I mean, see. William made it back to town, right? Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know what? <laughs> Old man Logan. <laughs> Old man Logan. You know but, but right wait. now is about time. We went, you know, we talked a whole bunch and uh, I think it's a good time for everybody to to hear what we got coming and uh, hear from a word from our new sponsor. Hey guys, I want to take a minute out from the podcast and tell you about a fantastic mattress brand out there called Casper. These mattresses, designed by humans for humans, are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. I've had such a bad lower back from lots of years of lifting DJ equipment and all types of other work I've done. Well, I've tried a bunch of mattresses from those big box stores, spending way too much money, and always left tossing and turning. Then I found out about Casper. Right away I was happy. I didn't have to go to the store and have some salesperson follow me around. I went online and saw they have over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google. I also found out they're becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Here's why. They're affordable due to cutting out the middleman, all of the salesperson breathing down your neck at the store. They're delivered right to your door in a small, how they do that, size box. You get it up to your room, you open it up, and there you go, a comfortable good night's sleep. That's due to breathable design that cools and regulates body temperature and the multiple supportive memory foam that's the right amount of sink and bounce. And thanks to our friends at Casper, we have our own promo code, Westworld, so you can get a quality night's sleep just like me. That's right. Head over to casper.com slash Westworld and you can get $50 towards select mattresses by using Westworld at checkout. Some terms and conditions apply. Again, head over to casper.com slash Westworld and use our special Westworld promo code and get $50 toward a select mattress. All right, we're back. So let's see, we covered um, our initial reactions to the rewatch and how we felt about it. We talked a little bit about um, our kind of differences we noticed, and we pretty much covered all the rest of the characters. We talked there about Maeve and Teddy, and uh, actually, you know what, a little, you know what I'd like to talk a little bit about who we didn't uh, specifically focus on was uh arnold slash bernard um dj because we kind of were talking around him but uh what are some of your thoughts on arnold slash bernard because like dolores and wyatt right he's kind of two people 
He's Bernard and Arnold. She's Teddy is Teddy and this other Teddy who he didn't know he was before, right? MIB is MIB and William. Everybody has a uh, doppelganger. I find that interesting. But let's talk a little bit about um, Bernard and Arnold. What role do you think, now that he is no... He remembers again, we see him awake we see him wake up twice, which is something else that I forgot. I wanted to point that out, um, which is if you remember um, Ford wipes his memory after he cleans up after Teresa, and then he's woken up again by Maeve. Right. But let's also remember, he says to himself, he says to Maeve, you, I've done this many, many times. Exactly. And so have you. Good point. So yeah. thank you, this, DJ. You're this right. This loop has happened so many You're times. Right. You're right. To the point that they had to get Ford felt he was had to get he was perfection. ready. Oh, so, oh, you're right. I'm sorry, dude. And he says that in his final speech to that to uh, to um, uh, what's his name in the church to Bernard in the church. Right. I had to let you go through that. We're going to talk about that in the uh, to Dolores. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Wyatt. Yep. Good point, brother. Good point, so, man. Yeah, I, I think that now where he's at, it's for that, you know, what it's tough to say because I don't know where they're going to go with the show, but it, depending on how they go, if they let the AI figure things out for themselves and take their own course, Bernard, I think he would choose the Bernard side and, you know, still, you know, they might find Arnold still as a, you know, religious figure. It still might be there, that voice. And they all might, you know, still come together mm. somehow through Arnold. But That's it might not be Bernard. I think Bernard is Bernard because he's been Bernard more than Arnold. That is an interesting point. I never thought of that, DJ, that different characters could treat him differently whether or not they see him as Bernard or Arnold, right? For instance, Teddy might see him as something bad. Like I was, we were talking about before, like if we get, ah, maybe there's another reason to have kind of a flashback to Teddy and, and Arnold's relationship, you know, because they might, some might see him as a God figure, like their father, right? Their inventor and others went upon awoken, uh, of the, you know, maybe there'll be a difference between those original like 15 or 20, right? Or 10%, I guess. And uh, all the others. Like, will all the others see him as a god, whereas the originals will know of his like original sin and delusion that led him to have, you know, to program Dolores to kill him, which in effect is a selfish act. Like, even though he presents it, even though that's something to to point out too on the Arnold side, even though Arnold presents this as an act that is a grand unified um, directive to free Dolores and the hosts, right? By committing only by committing this act, can they be free? It's still suicide. Right. And for Ford, it's suicide too. And it's a, it's a, it's a sad man ending his life and causing them pain. 
Right. I think it was right derived from the guilt. Yeah. Because he apologized to her for what at the end. That's true. That's true. He realized what he was doing, you know. But I think that more so, it became. I think for Ford, it maybe was a little bit different because that one scene where he's examining Dolores in the uh, in the regular lab. Um, remember when she says, are we old friends? And he says, no, Dolores, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that at all. He like hates her, you know, but at the because same it time, was his, his best friend's obsession. Yeah. And, and murderer. That too. Right. Yeah. It, yes. But then it, it be, she becomes his murderer as well. And he knows that in that scene too. Right. That's another thing to explore, but I don't think we're ever going to get there with another season because I think we're going to leave that story, that kind of, this story has to continue in new ways. You know, I think that particular examination of when in the course of the season did he decide that that was his plan because the end result, the suicide there perhaps is necessary for Dolores to make that decision, but by not making it, she also makes a decision, right? Yep. So it's not really, it's, it just goes along more so with the pain and the suffering thing. All right. But Arnold himself, I wonder how much more we'll see of Arnold. That, that was a great acting by Jeffrey Wright too. He was so much more uh, caring and emotional as Arnold, that I noticed that in that in the rewatch. All right, brother. Uh, let's move on to just a couple of things I wanted to, um, and I guess I'll do more of the talking here a little bit there, DJ. Let you puff out a little bit or something. What, yeah, man. Let's, uh, what do you got? Let's, you got some questions or something? But uh, no, just more so. I kind of wanted to remind and go over some of more of like the thematic and storyline things of the first season to kind of refresh memories, right? So just again, kind of memory refresher as we go into kind of theories after that. There were three timelines. It's 34 or 35 years ago that Arnold is with Dolores and that Arnold dies. That was in the first iteration of the uh, town with the church steeple that gets buried under the sand. 30 years ago is when William visits and the present was Ford's new narrative. Just so we can put that to rest. I just like saying it because I remember how we, how, how much we argued about it. A little bit about the maze. I wanted to talk about this with you because I found this to be one of the more frustrating things about the show to me, because I think that we understood this almost immediately. And I think most people did. And I think it led in itself being a maze. It led people down so many flights of fancy when, when as soon as you look at it, there's a person in the middle of it. And I think it was like the first episode, maybe it was Solo, because remember the first episode was with Solo, 
that he was like the maze. It's human consciousness. Look, the humans in the middle of it. <laughs> right? That's what it is. And that's what it was. Right. What did you feel about all the imagery that they did in the first season with bootstrapping consciousness and that, um, okay, so I'll read a little bit. I took this from the Screen Rant article. When Arnold first conceived of consciousness and hosts, he imagined as a tiered pyramid, memory, improvisation, each step working towards the upper level of self-realization. However, Arnold tells Dolores that he eventually realized that consciousness isn't a journey upward, but a journey inward, not a pyramid, but a maze. And it's, I just think that in the end, going into the second season, looking at some of these things, maybe we can take our metaphors a little bit more um, literally here, because that, I think that that was explained pretty well in the show. Well, I think to understand the show, you had to treat it like the maze and start at the, you know, the middle and come back around. And we didn't understand what the hell was happening until the end. Yeah. So essentially we were in the maze. Um, and I also feel that like the maze wasn't for us. You know, they told us that over and over again. <laughs> so, you know, yep. maybe take it as you want it. Maze is not for us, DJ. But no, it 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 definitely you know it had a, it was important. Um, it was part of the of the journey. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I guess it was their way of of tying it together, kind of some uh, tribalistic thing in us to want to want to know and you know a, a a puzzle. You know, we we always love puzzles, and this was like their way of of putting a puzzle yeah. in there. You know, with the show, I think it was kind of like a you know, a metaphoric plot toy. Yeah, it was fun. I think, I think it can, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say it confused me at the beginning. It's what I say is that, um, I, I guess I, what I, perhaps I did not trust myself enough because it was hard to trust anything in the show. But in the end, when that was explained, I perfectly accepted that and I understood that it was about self-actualization. And I think yeah. that when Dolores turns and sees herself, the, the way that they explained that by her hearing her own voice and it replacing that bicameral voice, which in effect never existed, it always was her, right? She just had to know that. Because everything is her. She's, that's the point at which she becomes the whole. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of putting that together. And I think that in the end, um, that may have, like I said, sent on some, some flights of fancy, which perhaps I enjoyed. But on the maze in particular, and that image in particular... Um, I think it was pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, I think we also, you know, both agreed last year that it it was a lot simpler than we, you know, got wild about and theorized about. I think, you know, we said so many of these simplest answers of what was true and what was really happening, but we 
got so caught up with the mystery that we, you know, we went out in this maze and kept going out in circles. Yeah. And it wasn't until probably this rewatch that we hit the middle. <laughs> yeah, I like it, DJ. That's perfect. I do want to talk a little bit about the bicameral mind again, right? Just the idea, the theory that thousands of years ago, primitive humans had language, but not full consciousness. The result was that instead of being capable of making decisions, they would experience auditory hallucinations of a voice telling them what they should do. Their minds were split into two halves. The first half would speak and the second would obey without the recognition that the voice they were hearing was their own, right? Later than attributed to God. And I'm reading a little bit from that article too, because it writes it out pretty well. Um, I really felt that this idea was more important. The maze idea was very interesting. And um, I understand that the maze, in effect, is the way out of this bicameral mind. But I think that the bicameral mind aspect and the fact that it was both within the host and that there was a physical um, box that was sending out a signal of it was also really interesting to me. And I wonder if that's going to be explored more uh, in the second season. Because I think that's something that when I, the first time around, I understood this idea of the bicameral mind, and then later this becomes God, right? That people think that God is speaking to them. And then people, a more self-actualized people understand you have your own thoughts. This is common with people with anxiety or depression, not just schizophrenia. Um, even in anxiety and depression, you believe that there is some outside force working upon you, right? That a voice or an idea that you have comes from somewhere else other than yourself. And I think that that's really interesting when thinking about the hosts. But I think it's also interesting that there was a physical box or a program that was in the park sending out these other signals and that that was used also by the Delos Corporation, right? To control that stray host and have him go get that information and go off and do that as well. I thought that that, that was a thing that was maybe um, not explored a lot in that season, and maybe could this be used to control hosts? Well, that's part of the and who knows reason about I don't it. want to get too jazzed up on thinking it's going to be an all-host park. Because yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it, the, the search for the technology is almost as important as the wild shit we see in these, these parks. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, if they ever do the, you know, uh, you know, samurai park and all that other you know stuff like uh you know they they saw it when they went into the the other room of the uh the middle the the brain you know the center core center there um so i think that that there was probably important but we didn't need it for the storyline of the season that was probably going to be the storyline for going ahead and i think that they will be using that and they, you know, there's probably going to be a bunch of hosts who won't be susceptible to that. The ones that are awake. Mm. And there's probably ones who are, you know, still out there that, 
that will be able to, you know, take control. And it, it may be more of a battle thing than we, than we thought. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Um, well, we did talk a little bit about Wyatt, um, but I just th- did think it was good to kind of talk about and think about the idea too, that we talked about that Dolores is Wyatt and Wyatt is Dolores. Oh, I called her Doyat. What do you think? What do you think? Is Dolores Wyatt? I guess you call her Dolores, right? She is Dolores, but just that this Wyatt character, that's like a side of the personality because it's not as formed as her, is it? But it it is. I don't know. I'm not good at the double names. Do you have I mean, one? I would, uh, I would it, it, you know, it's really up to her. I, you know, <laughs> whatever body she feels comfortable <laughs> that, in and name she feels using, I, that, you know. I like that, DJ. I support You're her. Right. You're right. It's 2018, bro. You're right. You're right. AIs, AIs have feelings too. You're right. Apparently. Um, but uh, I just wanted to talk a little because the Wyatt thing too, I have to say that when it was first introduced, it was hard for me to understand. I guess, or I guess it, it felt more like a, um, like some weird B plot. I wasn't appreciating it as much. And I have to say that I appreciated it a lot more the second time around and understood it a lot better watching it the second time around. And I that think it's going to really come down to that. She'll have like uh rational tendencies and then also like badass motherfucker tendencies. And also the Wyatt in her allows her to shoot at humans. Yeah, and also I think too that in the same way that that Wyatt represents kind of Arnold's almost betrayal in the end or kind of maybe fatal flaw in his plan, that um, so does Maeve's child, right? So the pain of love in two different ways affects these women. It's interesting. And that the, the, these two men kind of inflicted that upon them. Well, and also how she was waiting for William all these years, only to find out William's an old man. She's not even interested in anymore. And that, that, that gave her power, like almost over the humans that she realized. That's interesting. That like ultimate in this. And in the same way that, it was when William saw her and had no reaction to her, right? Yep. They did that to each other, but he had the choice. Uh, let's not forget that part. Um, one of the things, oh, we talked already. I had brought up uh, Ford's plan and redemption. And I think it's worth noting again in the final episode that Ford admits that he was wrong and that he should have let Arnold lead the way and that this in effect everything he did to get to this point was an homage to Arnold and that he loved him and thought that he was right but he did it to to a point of perfection yeah yeah of course I mean he had because he realized that he the time was what had to go into it you know and that he had to keep on letting them go through these loops and and letting them wake up and putting them back down. And that was part of the growth. You know what I mean? Like the scab had to heal over, right? 
that was that's a really awesome concept and it it, it says a bit to what you had said before mentioned before dj about how a host could um you know how much that it stretches the boundaries of time in a sense because they could have a memory that to us it lasts a second but to them it's a like so much longer right that's a very interesting concept that he that's then played out in real life so what then is time i wonder will the show go in that direction right will it will it start to expand past that has this has in effect has this happened before are we going to get to that point, right, where it doubles upon itself? Well, we'll yeah, see. I don't. I I hope not because that's that's too much. Um, because it it's conceivable because you know you could really get heavy with the the you know computer versus time stuff and uh, but yeah, no, I don't think that we'll go through that because you know then you could start talking about. You know, when we, when we talk about where where is this world, like that, that you know, then it becomes a whole other thing. Like, is this a, you know an actual place, or is this is you know inside a, a computer realm? Yeah. Oh well, let's get to that. All right, that's what I mean. We'll so talk about the, that. A the bit. last the last thing I wanted to say is just the the Buddhist in me wants to bring up that suffering is the key to enlightenment in this. And this is a, I took, this is just actually from the show, but it was a part mentioned in, I think uh, the screen rant article, uh, which was, this is what Ford says. This is the last thing that Ford says to uh, Bernard. Uh, no, my friend Ford said, Arnold didn't know how to save you. He tried, but I stopped him. Do you want to know what I really gave you? Do you want to know why I really gave you the backstory of your son, Bernard? It was Arnold's key insight, the thing that led the host to their awakening, suffering, the pain that the world is not as you want it to be. It was when Arnold died, when I suffered, that I began to understand what he had found, to realize I was wrong. And then Bernard says, but you left us here, kept us here in this hell. I told you, Arnold did not know how to save you, Ford replied. I do. You needed time, time to understand your enemy, to become stronger than them. And I'm afraid that in order to escape this place, you will need to suffer more. And now it is time to say goodbye, old friend. Good luck. Solo probably could have done that those lines better. Um, but I just thought that that was so interesting, too, that you have to suffer more, right? So... Does that play into the idea that this has happened, even this has happened before? But again, that would be too much. Right. It'd be, you know, very heavy. Like, do we learn from our own <laughs> current timelines? Like, are we yeah. learning, like, will my next timeline, like, correct what I, you know, lost that, that's like, like altering almost like fixing what you learn at it. I mean, it could get like crazy rabbit hole. Well, that, you know, like this, spiral out where people don't understand. And I don't think they'll do that. Yeah. Well this, but I do also want to say this is so interesting too, because of the idea of the, the host being having to die and come back and learn again and again and again until they get it right. Not remembering. And then finally, when they remember they can start on a new journey, but does that new journey again lead them to die again and again and again? You know, right? And right. It, is it 
is like that's that's what we need to kind of learn like yeah. is this did this trigger uh like a one time like thing like are they you know will they ever be able to reboot again or you know will they be able to transfer into another host like did this shut off the system like this is going to yeah. be a game changer that's a good thing to say does it shut off the system because exactly if the lab's not there when they get shot and lose blood if no one fixes them they're dead i mean they can be fixed at a later time but you know what i'm saying and we don't even know are there we didn't see the full process of Maeve getting a new body we don't know where they stored her CPU. her yeah we don't know where they store it. Is there a centralized unit where it's stored? Interesting. All right. Yeah, I have a lot of like tech questions. That that's a big yeah. thing that bothers well, me with the show. Like like the you know, I, it the doesn't bother me. I, th I think they do a good job of just doing. You know, I think they did a really good job of that. Where it didn't it, like they kind of explain some stuff and other stuff. You just see it happen. You have to accept it. Yeah. No. Like I. You know. It's just like it's puzzling like they they you know went from mechanical to that milky substance but why over all those time like ha 35 years no no faces changed like why did it always have to be you know we we learned i guess ford wanted to make sure it was always like the same people uh mm -hmm. but it, it just it, you know it is a little puzzling like why why that the small upgrades were made you know what we okay, see as I'll small, say the I'll we say just don't know. Yeah. You know what the biggest one is, DJ? We know well, about the bomb in the neck. Right. Okay. No, but I was going to say the biggest the biggest kind of outstand which at the end of the season I see no explanation for this nor is it mentioned which leads me to believe that we're either just not going to kind of talk about this on the show or it's going to be a part of the second season which is duplicates. Why would they take you know, if Teddy had to get out there and be doing what he's doing, why did would they leave him, you know, all shot up like that in there? Did they just not show us that there are actually duplicates? Now, this was an idea that people had espoused last season. I think when the first episode, people said, oh, why isn't there a duplicate of it? Now, it can go. I think you're right in that uh, what you said before is where they said that Ford that's something more that the company may have wanted to do. Whereas Ford wanted to keep it more, you know, like they were real, you know, like that one time people deal. wanted like them they, to be there's real. consequences for yeah. everybody. Yeah. But I don't know about that. That's but something. Yeah, also Bernard would have access to Ford's secret lab. Still. He knows how to fix things. I, it, yeah. And the whole system. The whole, that's another reason to keep Bernard around the whole system. All right, let's get to the, uh, let's get to the, some of the questions we have. Cause we, uh, we have been talking for a long time, brother. Um, okay. First question, theory time, where is the park? These are some of the, uh, things I noticed. Number one, Ford says that they created everything, every blade of grass. What do you mean? Every blade of grass. We saw that snakes were fake right? That they were just plowing huge plots of land. Where the fuck are they? Sylvester mentions an orbital launch station. Remember, he says it's not like she's at an orbital launch station. MIB says that in the outside world, they can cure any disease. 
which is kind of backed up by the guest who approaches MIB out of character and says, like, you literally saved my sister's life. But they say that too, right? That the outside world is so devoid of any danger or threat um, that people come to Westworld because the real world's so sanitized. But there's a counterpoint here. All the workers in the lab seem desperate to keep their jobs. Felix is yelled at at Sylvester for trying to be more than he is. Felix says to Maeve that he couldn't afford to go to the park. Sylvester is running a side biz prostituting hosts. And it seems like everybody who works at the lab, even Elsie, like kind of just fucks around with the hosts. Is that more an indication of a kind of lapse in management, which we've seen in the show, right? That they're not really professional? Or is it that people in this society, you're either, you know, it's like a kind of dystopian future, either rich or you're poor. And if you don't have a job, you have nothing. I don't know what that says about the outside world, but it says that it's enough for it to be a world that's totally unrecognizable to us, you know, as a system. So DJ, you think I have tinfoil theories. So I wanted to ask you first, where is Westworld? The way I envisioned it is that we're in a future that's something like, like uh, reminds me of, of how like a uh, minority port, like everything's clean and, or like demolition man, where it's all like pristine and everything's like up and up and, you know, all this order. And I think this corporation would have either a man-made Island where, you know, which is possible. Now you just bring in tons of, you know, fill and make your own place. And this way, like, cause they showed that one scene at the end where they had lights out on the water on a barge that was bro- you know, broadcasting in to the, uh, yeah. to the board when they were showing them the, the last scene of his new narrative or the first scene rather. And this made me think it's, it's surrounded by water. Cause then nobody could really come in and disturb it. Cause they would have sensors or whatnot out there, you know, cause it's very futuristic and they'll have a lot of tech and this way they have like a blank slate. So like, cause you did see they had, they had to do like manual labor. Like it wasn't okay. just like okay. poof on a button to, to get the, the places made. So you say a private Island with a tunnel, something like that. Cause okay. that, that, you know, the way they came in was on a train, That's pretty good, like man. a jet train. So I'm thinking maybe like a, uh, you know, out to a, a tunnel to a mainland. That's somewhere. actually pretty good. Cause you know, I was going to say it's either on like the moon or another planet. I like that orbital launch station doesn't mean that it has to be that though but you're right i mean there's plenty of space in the world right in an ocean or whatever um or if they could terraform like they can there just for a park how they could do it on an even larger scale there is the idea that it's all virtual reality we talked a little bit about that last year we don't have to get too into it that that would bring it to a whole nother level um but let's save that for the next part, which is what's the real aim of the board? Uh, I just want to bring up a couple points. In episode two, the conversation between Sizemore and Teresa, she mentions he's thinking small, doesn't understand that the board values the park not for the guests and experience, but for another reason. Now, Ford mentions a couple times, he says, I think when they were at the tequila house, the agave plant, 
uh, plantation. He says, our little experiment, or he says, um, uh, there was another word he used instead of experiment. Uh, but he like referenced, uh, our little project, our little project. I think he said, um, he says it to Charlotte. He says, and he says it to Bernard and he also alludes to both Bernard and Doris, I think in Dolores that there's a larger, that there's something else going on. What did you think it is? I was always under the impression that this technology could be used to trend to do like mind transference to extend life yeah. and okay, we're on the same path that, here. you know, that was always my feel that like this, you know, you always start with say like the military starts by making certain, certain weapons or, you know, they'll put, you know, like NASA will make certain things to go to space and then we learn how to apply that technology to our life. Like we'll get a reflective tape that could have only been used in space. And now all of a sudden we find out it's great for, you know, stop signs, you know, something, you know, that they'll gain from financing this theme park, you know, where, where, you know, they'll also learn from it to use, apply to the outside life. Yeah. So we agree that it would be, now there's this new show, Altered Carbon, that came out on Netflix. And honestly, I watched, I think, three episodes of it. It's okay. Um, I didn't think it was great. I don't want to get too much into that show. But they did have this idea of things called sleeves and people basically moving from body to body. And your consciousness, your memories was contained almost like on a chip, a large chip or disc in your neck. Okay, and if that was destroyed and it wasn't backed up, you would die. But otherwise, that could be transferred from body to body. Now, there would be some sort of psychological ramifications to that, right? Like certain people could take it and other people would freak out. And there's only a certain amount of time that you can switch without kind of going insane or whatever. But I think along the same lines that... If you start thinking about the VR aspect and the AI aspect that in effect they could put, if they can give Maeve a whole new body, then they can put Maeve into Teddy or they can put Teddy into Bernard, right? It doesn't matter. It's just a shell. Right. right? They just had, you know, yeah. they needed to, to know that they can get to a certain point. I think with the, the, I guess consciousness because you yeah. don't want to go into something where you're locked in where you can only limit it you know you want to be able to be you so i think that's why they you know that you know they were on to ford they knew what he his goal was so they just kind of let him do his thing well you i know, think i mean his right and and their goal now, I wanted to mention that one of the reasons why I think we and we had talked about this last season, just as a re-up too, that Charlotte seems way too young to be the executive director of the board. She also seems to be so just, I mean, it could be the actress, of course, but they're, you know, I mean, she's acting, that she so feels so, seems so alive, not even just sexualized, but like vibrating, you know, like she just seemed to be in love with being in her body and being there or whatever, even when she was 
talking, you know, business and stuff like that. Maybe that's her personality, but coupled with this idea, it seemed to me like maybe the little project is her. You yeah, know? Like she seems to like, no, like have that smile. Like I know more than every single yes. person here. Yeah. So I think that she might be, and that's an interesting concept then. Then what's really the difference between Charlotte and a host? Right. If she is just, if she's, if her conscious, if her human consciousness has been distilled and she, and then in order to fit the pipeline of being implanted in another host or human, regardless, it's the same thing. So that's a whole interesting concept to come up with in the next season, because then that would make Charlotte an interest, a more interesting character in this show. And that actress is not only gorgeous, but she's a really good actress. I like to see more of her in the show because that, that character was so strange, you know, just even the way she interacted with uh, MIB too. Remember they're out there in the desert. Yeah, I mean, she... That was cool. Yeah, she's definitely, uh, like, that, that like, mystery. Like, she, she knows something. Like, the board was too... Is, you know, they showed random board people. No right, one was important right. except her. Yeah. I wonder like, if she more seems board like the leader. Either, become, like, yeah. she's controlling herself from the outside. Like, she has advanced tech to, like, maybe, you know, be in the office and be there. Who knows? Yeah. All right, let's just do this last one here. Let's go out with this. This has been great talking about Westworld, man. I'm excited, bro. Um, my last kind of theorizing thing here is what parts of Ford's plan did we miss? That's something that I think may become interesting in the second season. Um we have seen it up till now, but how much continued after his death? We had theorized a little bit that, you know, Maeve could still be programmed to whatever Dolores, but like what info was Maeve escaping with? And also we can say we saw it in the last episode, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that we're going to see samurai world that's all i know are there other worlds are there other parks how about all the other people working there are any of those hosts coming alive were the reveries introduced in any of that it seemed like these westerns were his favorite stories so that's why he was at that park but what are we going to see from all these other parks and how many are there? I mean, it's just, I wonder if we're even gonna, I wonder if we might just not see like Samurai World and then never get explained other, like it might take that long to see how big it is because that's quite a big reveal. Maybe that's the end of the season where they tell us where they are, how many parks there are, like that whole thing. What do you think, DJ? I, all the, these seem like simple questions, but they all hinge on what we know. Are they, you know, it, a big thing could be, are we closed off from society right now? Are they take in control? If that's a, the case, 
you know, there's a completely different answer for all these questions. Are are the board members going to come back in with their, you know, super troopers and guns and, and take over, you know, and recontrol everybody, you know, all the the AI, you know, the hosts and reset everything? Or, you know, with Ford's, you know, quote unquote, new story or a new story or try to reprogram them. Uh, it's It's really up to where they go with the story. I, I, you know, I could talk for another half hour answering each tree <laughs> of where this is, but it'd be you know, useless. So I, the, you the know, answer I, to I your question your is, pattern, though, and I love that yeah. you put it out there for people to think about. <laughs> yes. Uh, good point there, buddy. Good point. That's something that I hadn't considered too. Another thing I remember we had talked about last season is again, with the idea of time, that um, this could be, they could do like a compressed season, you know, where there's like a siege and it only lasts, you know, it lasts a certain amount of episodes uh, and we are getting more flashback stuff and character building stuff like that. But the actual amount of time that takes place during the show is not as long as even this. Because if you think about it, the real world time. I don't know. I guess it's like a week or so, right? That there, I mean, if you see like how the man in black and also Williams travels, it's really and not the, that and long. Again, that, you know? that depends now yeah. on if it's in space. <laughs> All right. Really? Cause that's the, true. Getting back to the planet would be, you yeah. know, that would time. be redonk, you know, who man. knows what goes on with space time. Yeah. That would be redonk. I don't know. Um, I'm going, I'm definitely going spoiler free into it. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be, I mean, I might, I look at a trailer and then I kind of forget and I see a little bit of thing. I try purposefully to forget it's hard, but I do it. Yeah. I'm done with all that. Like hype, hyping up, looking at every frame. You know what? Like I I want to enjoy it while I also still want to, you know, give you guys good information and podcast about it and talk with you, Axel. And, but I, I don't want to ruin it, you know, and, and make it like, uh, a job because you know until i'm getting paid from some magazine to get or you know to give a, a scene by scene breakdown i'm gonna still do this for fun so i think we'll produce a better product <laughs> that way as well be, you're gonna be in a magazine dj you tim know, hines having those 90s goals of being in a magazine listen, you talked about an online magazine before <laughs> maybe that's what i meant all right well everybody this has been a lot of fun um, yeah, and if you're hiring, listen, I'm I'm available because this guy's <laughs> paying me ass. This has been a great show. Uh, I think we covered a ton of stuff, and I hope that you feel ready for uh, the upcoming season. Who knows? We're getting into it. We may find ourselves doing an episode or two more before the uh, season kicks off. We were thinking about watching. We never did a just like the old fun watch the original movie. And kind of talk about that. We might do something like that. I think DJ had an idea there. But anyway, in the meantime, um, for DJ Tim Hines, DVR Podcast Network, check us out. DVRpodcast.com, patreon.com backslash DVR, and on the Twitter, Westworld DVR. Thanks for listening, DJ. Any last words? Say howdy to your moms for me.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.